1: Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manu Vef, glorious winner of the Football Grad episode 100 <laughs> episode football quiz. I'm basking in that glory still. I'm going to be basking in that glory for the next 50 or so episodes until we do it again and I will miserably crash out. But yeah, for, for now, the title is mine and I'm, I'm going to celebrate every single episode. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Winner writes the history. That's how it works. Right? Right, Tim? I mean, after all, Tim, Voktor, Jeff, joining me as always, you designed this entire thing, so I, no one can tell that, you know, I cheated <laughs> or
2: anything. <laughs> um, Yeah. <laughs> I am the uh, Europa League uh, honor uh, winner of the Russian, uh, Russian uh, Football Grad podcast. Um, yeah, that was fun. Uh, and yeah, you have all the bragging rights. That was the main prize. We didn't really have any other prizes. So here we you go. You're capitalizing on your Champions League spot on winning the trophy, the first trophy of the football grad podcast. And we'll revisit that in 50 episodes. Yeah. Um, until then, I, I can, you know,
1: enjoy the, enjoy the moment, you know, and give one of those like footballer moments, uh, interviews. It's like, yeah, we've, we've given it all shown, shown <laughs> determinants and, winning mentality and you know this it's just it's just good to hold the trophy and um yeah fantastic really really good stuff um yeah if you don't know what i'm talking about just listen back to the the last podcast and enjoy it it's a good really good time um not such a good time for our other guest who got relegated to the fnl but you know he always enjoyed that league more than anything else anyway right andrew flint <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know what I enjoy the most actually is when you're the only person who correctly predicts the World Cup winner, which is the most important prediction in- a game that anybody plays. So, you know, you guys can a football that's, grad quiz. That's guesses, that's- Andrew. That's man.
1: guesses. This it's, doesn't it's, count. That's,
0: that's, that's the UEFA that's Nations League of Tories. Nobody really cares about it. Whereas predicting <laughs> the football, that's what matters really. So I'll I'll just bask in that glory for the next four years. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll,
1: but that's not knowledge. That's guessing. I mean, that's...
0: No, that's applying knowledge, you see. Pure <laughs> you know, luck is, sure, is when you get there first for a football grad quiz actual knowledge that's you know that's something that i take out so that's Uh, still
1: fine i think that's highly debatable but um you know as i said before (laughs) (laughs) uh no it, it, it was good times um i i think anyone who hasn't listened to that podcast yet has really missed out so i i highly highly recommend going back um listening or listening to it but um boys, yeah, we have we have some catching up to do because um a we're going late again for for various reasons. Number one reason is that I just spent 4 days skiing in the Rockies. Um it was wonderful by the way. I have to say one of the best experiences ever. So, but unfortunately I'm back now and uh, it also means that the Wednesday recording didn't happen. So, we have some catching up to do. We have a lot of topics actually, most result based topics and um the number one of course is uh, we want to talk chat about the Russian Premier League results before we talk about um what happened in the Euro 2020 qualifiers you know the the mega euros that are going to take uh, three different days to draw and I'll get to that in, in a moment but here uh, um, are the results from the from this weekend from the Russian Premier League um Anchimachkala Griliev Sovetov zero two. Orenburg, 1-0 over Dynamo Moscow. Ural, Andrew. Yeah. one nil uh, lost 1-0 to CSKA Moscow. Ruben Kazan, Roped. 0-2. Rostov. Arsenal, Tula, 2. Yenisei, 0. Not looking good in Grasny Ask. I think they can plan for, um, FNL soon. Ufa, 0. Ahmad Grosny, 1. Then, uh, a result that's not looking so good for me. Um, you know, prediction games, uh, <laughs> Lokomos Moscow one, Krasnodar zero, and then Spartak Moscow one, Senate one. Um, boys, I want to start talking about this one first. Um, Tim in particular, I mean, this, this is a big game in, in Russian football, and, um, the expectations are always high and the results are always low.
2: So w- what did you make of this one? It was a big game, Spartak versus Zenit. The uh, they both teams played a sold-out stadium at Kreti Arena in Moscow. Uh, so, obviously, the the stakes were high because um, Zenit could have really uh, extended their lead and make a very significant um, step towards uh, their championship. At the same time, Spartak had the opportunity to uh, kind of catch up a little bit because Spartak is behind all uh, other four teams. Zenit, CSK, and Krasnodar in uh, the uh, way for uh, the Champions League the game ended up 1-1 it was quite an eventful game uh, pretty much what that means that was a good result for Zenit because they kept uh, the 5 point uh, lead uh, over uh, CSKA currently and uh, for Spartak it wasn't such a good result because they probably kind of that was official i in my opinion um result which stopped them from any hopes of winning uh, the league which you know were pretty miserable even a few matches ago, but right now it's very, very hard, uh, because there's eight and games to go between Zenit and, uh, Spartak. So, uh, the game was very eventful. Uh, Zenit had, um, quite, quite a few good chances. Uh, they had, um, pretty much a penalty, which wasn't given on, uh, Zuba and a clumsy Kutiepov. Uh, they hit uh, the, 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 post, uh, Rigoni uh hit or maybe it was Drusia, I always mix up those two. Hit the post from like a meter away, which was pretty much a given goal. And then also a pretty clear goal to me was outruled by Zenit. uh Spartak also had a couple of chances, uh but um but yeah the game was as as always the game was extremely um high passion. There was quite a few conflicts uh on the pitch uh but the game ended with a fairly you know, boring result 1-1, which definitely, uh, worked in the favor of, uh, Zenit. So, yeah, the Russian League continues, but it looks like, uh, Zenit with every match day getting closer and closer to the trophy.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, that lo- it looks, it's starting to look like that. Um, doesn't really bode well for my, for my prediction game. Uh, Zenit are now five points ahead of CSKA Moscow six points ahead of Lokomotiv Moscow, five, six points ahead of Krasnodar as well. We have now dropped out of the um top three and whew, eight points ahead of Spartak, Tim. You know, that was really yeah. the last chance to, you know, shorten sure. the gap a little bit. Andrew, you, you think, you know, I mean, they're getting the points. There's all sorts of weird rumors about Semak uh, being replaced. We saw an odd one just the other day. But I mean, with mm. the, the way that he gets the the results at the moment, and um, just really, you know, increasing that point, um, you know, that that gap between first and second place again, it's really hard seeing them not win the league at the moment.
0: Uh, at this point, I'd agree. I think um, they did so well recruiting over summer, and most importantly, those new recruits have settled in very well. Because um, you can't always guarantee that. Mm. We've said before, haven't we, Manny? How the the sort of the sprint to the end of a season is so short compared to other teams that come back after uh, other leagues. Sorry, that come back after winter only thirteen mm-hmm. games. Um, those first three games they've done well. They've they've ground out results that they needed. They just look a little bit fresher with Asmund on absolute fire. Um I mean, as for Semak possibly being replaced, I just it, I'm, I just groan when I see these sort of things. He may not be the best coach in the league by, you know, at least two or three more, I'd say, Um, is looking more promising, whatever, Masai, but Krasadai's looks like he is in complete control of his squad. And I'm not saying Samak's up to their level, but I don't, I I know it's going to sound odd, I don't see the point in trying to replace him. It would seem like a return to their old obsession with getting big name, I'm assuming it would be a foreign manager, because I can't think of a Russian manager who would be, Um, as any need at this point, uh, I don't really see the point. I honestly don't. He's reasonably, he's well respected. Um, he's uh, he's doing a very good job, and he is being back. So I just I just keep going and delve win the league, and probably win it next year if they reinforce well in the summer. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the big one for them was the the winter transfers, right? That that's yeah, what Tim. I mean, I'm with Tim. On that one, they made three transfer, over well, four. They got rid of Paredes, right? And then they brought in three new players, Moon uh, Wilma Barrios and Rakitsky. And, you know, their strength from defense, midfield and attack done. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's hard to compete with that. It's hard to compete with, with that kind of, with that kind of money. So um Exactly and Edmunds too. You know, we have seen so many times in the past with Cynthia's just splash cash and it didn't really work out for them. But this time around it really it like looked like they looked they looked at three problems areas and they said, Okay, we're gonna sign this player for this area that's gonna solve that problem. We're gonna sign this mm-hmm. player for 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 the midfield and that's going to, you know, nicely pro- solve that problem. And then we need some guy that that uh, can sort of play like Kokorin. Um, maybe he's even upgrade like Kokoran on Kokoran because Kokoran is in jail, um, to be determined when he's coming out. Uh, so, okay, let's sign Sada Asmun. Um, a player who was, you know, could have also gone to, to the, to Western Europe and boom, you know, that's, it's hard Mm -hmm. to compete with that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this table, Tim, and I see CSKA and Lokomotiv Moscow behind them now. Um, Lokomotiv Moscow with a, with a very big result against Krasnodar—a um, one-nil win. a Ty- typical, oh, so typical yeah. Lokomotiv Moscow result, I would say, in many ways. What do you make of, the, you know, this this local like comeback? Um, in some ways, do you think they have enough to make the Champions League? And what do you make of that result in general?
2: That was the result. Yeah, like you say, was absolutely crucial because that allowed them to be one of those teams which now is in the competition for the um, for the Champions League spot. And we all know how crucial uh, it is. Um, they still have to play with Zenit and CSKA, so which will be very important games, especially in, in against uh, the match against uh, CSKA. But um, you know, Lokomotiv since since. Since they came back, they've been again doing those um, results uh, one nothing, two nothing. This is their style, and um, it's it's so tight at the top of the table right now that it's very hard uh, to predict one result, or especially if it will be a result between two teams, can change a lot. And um, like I said, we have we still have even Zenita's kinda looking like running away with it. We still have a very one of the most interesting seasons in the Russian Premier League just from the point of uh, the. Uh, Uh, top of the table Um, so uh, at this point it's very hard for me to predict I remember that uh, when we finished the first part of the tournament um, we were talking and I think we all three agreed that you know the most interesting and like and like we said there's no deserved uh, in football but if you use that word deserved the teams who deserved the first and second place were krasnodar and csk the both team which really you know especially csk recruited well uh the krasnodar stayed their coach and the, really the two clubs which doing uh, for the football the right thing uh developing their youngsters and uh, focusing on their academy you know they doing the the good club uh you know, good good club vibe and good good club mentality. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Zunit, like we said, recruited. And I I changed that opinion after 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 the, the the transfer season with their transfers. Like I said, I think they won the league but There's just those um, four transfers, which uh, in, in like incoming transfers. But the other teams, I still like you know all even Spartak, including all those teams, have very strong uh, squads for the Rus- Russian Premier League. And a, a couple of results can 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 change can change the the table so i think uh i don't want to make a prediction right now uh to answer your question i think that Le- locomotive really has a good chances they they have good squad they have good experience and they need the champions league spots so <clears throat> i don't want to make any predictions but i think we have a very exciting uh the champions league uh race because four contenders which are uh well, we have right now so Tiscalakomatif and Spartak have very good chances and still have a few games left between each other and because the table is so tight, one one game can make a big, big difference uh in in that race for the Champions League spots. So let's just get some popcorn and enjoy that uh that race. Yeah, I would go along with that.
1: Um, Andrew, do you have anything to add um to what Tim is saying there? I think it's
0: uh well, yeah, I mean just a second what Tim says about how close and tight that race is. I would extend it out and I'm sure we'll come to this in a moment anyway, or at least soon. Um this is one of the best things about this league season. Although it have pulled away a little bit, we all thought it was going to be much closer towards the end of the first part of the season. You've got the race for Champions League places is really seriously tight, but then the race for the Europa League is is also tighter than it looks on paper because the sixth place team could very well be uh the team that goes into the Europa League if the if the Russian Cup is is won by uh, one of the top five. Uh, and bearing in mind that Rubin Kazan, like we mentioned before, uh banned from Europe for next season. It could even, if Rubin finished sixth, could go down to seventh place. You've got uh only six points separating sixth and thirteenth in the league. Um so it is gonna be impossible to predict uh unless of course you're you know a very good very good at predicting winners like I am with the World <laughs> Cup winner. Um, you know just ask me guys I'll let you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah the, it's uh, it, it's hard losing football versus Andrew I get it yeah
0: <laughs> no you gotta, let, you gotta let the people have a moment they feel bad about being so bad at predicting World Cup winners you let them win a quiz just yeah. to keep them happy.
1: <laughs> fair <laughs> enough um, but you, you are absolutely quite right when it comes to the how, how tight the league is because um, your side Raul Andrew
0: mm. yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Heaven and hell can be so close. It's
0: uh, uh you know. God. Yeah, it's um it's it's a tricky one, Manny, to be honest, because the, the I'm not I'm I'm not worried about Odal dropping into the automatic relegation places. So the bottom mm. two of course. Uh, at the moment seven points separate Ufa in fifteenth the the higher of the two automatic relegation places. And O'Dale won't drop that low, um, but they haven't won in five games. Um but then on the other hand, they they've played some good teams recently. Um Zanit of course at home, Tesca at home losing both of those 1-0 when yeah, Zanit and Tesca controlled both games largely, but there weren't a huge amount of clear-cut chances. Um if Ural played away it would be a different story. But at home they're they're quite tough to beat. But dropping those points, these that's the fine margins we live with. Um and, you know, clearly are on good form at the moment. Um, Dynamo will, I'm sure, continue to be reasonably strong at home. Um, they actually have one of the better home records. Um, you know, these are teams that Ural have to beat if they want to guarantee survival. And at the moment, without any reinforcements of, of meaning up front, uh, and I don't include Pogromniak in that because he's, he's about as mobile as Benedict Favet is after a, after a nice out. Um, so it's it's not looking good at the moment, but I, I have faith. Uh,
2: Andrew, a, qu- a question for you because you follow the FNL league. Um, I without really doing much research said that you know if somebody if if the premier leagues will drop and so not if when they drop and play those relegation games against the fnl teams that the russian teams oh sorry the premier league teams will be uh on top of that um can you a little bit uh review that situation in terms of who's coming up and how um how you potentially see uh that those games um panning out in terms of like uh the the teams and Third, fourth, fifth, and sixth place in FNL.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I agree with you, Tim. Um, I I watch I watch a reasonable amount of FNL football, and the truth is, I I do love the league, as you pointed out, Manu, which is a good thing, given that uh, I follow. Was not a dick at all,
1: actually. It, yeah. I, I was a compliment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean it's um, it's a it is a fascinating league because um, there's. This this is genuinely not me trying to be protective over my beloved men, but there is very very little difference, and I genuinely mean this between almost all sides in the league. Tamboff uh, are flying ahead at the moment, um, and it looks like the playoffs will be. Uh, to be honest, um, well, Sochi are. We've we've mentioned that. <laughs> their path, if needs to be smoothed, shall be given their world Cup stadium, but they 're actually not a bad side um avangard kursk and and Shinik are very average teams, Chitanova in sixth I saw them um last weekend. they came to Tumen, and we know how well drilled they are as an academy side they play together for 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 years um and you 've of course picked up two of them, Tim, over the winter. And they they really are a much stronger side. Um, And Chimen have had a fairly difficult winter transfer window rooted in the relegation zone. Um, And although Chitanova were, you know, they played better football for the first half an hour or so, they very soon ran out of energy, ran out of of ideas. um, And Chimene were basically bossing most of the second half. Uh, and if this is one of the better sides in the fanel struggling against one of the relegation candidates, when they play one of the Premier League uh, relegation playoff teams, yeah. um, which you've got to remember, that includes almost certainly, um, uh, it could be it could be Ufa who have been in Europa League qualifiers this season, um, for example, could be Ural who got to the Russian Cup final two years ago. I don't think it's going to be very difficult for those Premier League sides uh, to beat them. Um, so I, I always think it doesn't matter which of the Faneuil mm-hmm. sides gets into the promotion playoffs. They will struggle. Um But, you know, we've seen Faneuil teams win those playoffs before. So who knows? Yeah,
1: I was going to say it happened last year, right? Um With, with Yenisei So it is it is something to be a bit concerned about. I think if you're Anshima Hachkala, you should be worrying about maybe dropping into this but it's it's incredible yeah. when you look at the the table maybe to my final point on the um relegation zone which really stretches from 6th to 13th at the moment for that final final playoff spot Rostov on 29 points and Ural Yekaterinburg out on 23 points that's 6th and 13th We're separated by just 6 points
2: that's it. yeah. So from Europa League to relegation, it just really—it's like a lottery
1: at the moment. Like you, you're going to play a playoff in the spring. You, you just don't know which one. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Oh, it's the I mean, you, you're right. It could be. It really, honestly, could be a situation where Ural will uh, will face Arsenal Tula in the Russian Cup semi final. They should be reasonably confident uh, over two legs. They could be in the Russian Cup final in the Europa League and then a few days later playing for survival for relegation to the FNL. It's just madness. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's in, an interesting situation. I, I think it, it makes the league very interesting because there is a little bit of a, a of, of a separator between Spartak and Rostov, right? Between uh, fifth and sixth. the Four points is not a lot, but... Um, Still, if, it, but in the,
2: in this league, it sounds
1: like a yeah, lot. Yeah, it sounds like a lot, but it's, it's <laughs> that gap between 13th and 6th is just insane. Um, I think that the, the, the bottom three, Mahatskala, Ufa and Krasnoyarsk, I, I can't see themselves. Those, those three teams, I mean, Ufa and Anshi will be battling for that, for the playoff spot, right? But, oh boy, I mean, Rostov, Ruben, Ahmad, Arsenal, Orenburg, Krylia Sovetov, Dinamo and Ural. Uh, that's, that makes up the entire possible relegation zone for the relegation playoff. That's, um, oh, that's, that, that makes for some good drama. If that position can, that place can change a good 10 times, um, until we get to the final day of the season. Um, it will make it really fascinating, really fascinating to follow. So, um, that's something that we're going to, yeah, spend a bit more time on. Um, boys, I want to shift gears a little bit because we had euro 2020 qualifiers um this is usually this is the actual reason why i take uh, a good four days off and um you know bugger off to the to the rocky mountains and go skiing because what's the point really um <laughs> no i'm kidding i love national team games um i just love the pace the pace slows down quite a bit you know we have less games to cover and the the, the euro 2020 is an interesting event and we've we've chatted so much about this andrew about the qualification the, the size of the tournament we now have 24 teams in the tournament um 2020 is going to be 12 different cities uh so i i read this really interesting article we, we've covered the the qualification process for the nations league and it's pretty straightforward how teams get in, you know, first and second of the, of every group will qualify. And then there's four more spots for the UEFA Nations League. But there's a big but. Um, if you qualify and your country also hosts games, then you automatically play three, ga- two games at home in your country. Huh? You guys, you guys mm-hmm. following me? So, yeah, so yeah. if you yeah. Germany, you will be playing two games in Munich, right? If you... If you're Russia, you'll be playing two games in St. Petersburg. Um so far so easy, right? But <laughs> apparently that means they might have to draw the entire thing over two days because they have to slot it in a way that, you know, all these teams can actually play their home games in, in 12 different countries yeah. um, spread all over Europe. Yeah, it's going to be yeah an interesting one. Um, of course, you have to see who's all going to qualify. I, I'm going to just list the 12 cities. Um, in the UK, it's going to be Glasgow and London. Then we have Dublin and Ireland, um, Spain is Bilbao, the Low Countries are Amsterdam, Germany Munich, Copenhagen in Denmark, Rome in Italy, Budapest in Hungary, Bucharest in Romania, Saint Petersburg. And Baku, um, which is going to be interesting if Azerbaijan qualify. Um, you know, if not, then I don't know what they're going to do with that stadium there. But yeah, this is, this is a mega event, Andrew. I mean, on the one hand, yay, yeah, great. Ooh. On the other hand, um, how are we even going to cover this? <laughs> are you, are you <laughs> going to drive all over Europe?
0: <laughs> yeah, they're not really thinking of the football ground network when they plan this, are they? They're, they're going to test us to our <laughs> limits, but, um, I mean, okay. Let's. I tell you what. Let's try and start on a positive note. Um, I think it will be it'll be very, very interesting to see the atmosphere of a tournament spread over so many countries. I I always used to be violently against any tournaments being shared, even between two yeah. countries. Um, and and then it started to become a thing. I mean, Japan and South Korea in two thousand and two was the the. I guess it was the first. Uh, first tournament i paid really close attention to um split over more than one country um but anyhow it, it'll be i think i can understand from a social aspect it's a good thing to spread a major tournament um, to as many people as possible to reach as many people as possible um logistically i would not want to be working for anybody who has to sort out like you mentioned the the, the specifics of a draw like this um it would just be absolute hell to try and get your head around. Um, but the thing that gets to me the most is, is the number of teams in it. Half of Europe, pretty much, are going to be at the finals. And it just, for me, it's just gone too far with that many teams. Yeah. It takes away the merit of qualifying for a major tournament. It should be an achievement. And by the same note, what I'm saying is that he is going to, Really, not some countries won't ever have a hope of qualifying. But that's not really the point. You know, if you're a Gibraltar, a Faroe Islands or a a country which is has minimal resources, very low population, your victories are not the same ones as other people's. You're not going to try and win Euro twenty twenty, but you might try and get a historic result like Faroe Islands beating Portugal at home for example. And I know it sounds patronizing and it is in a way, but um Faroe Islands are never going to win Euro twenty twenty. Um, You know, the small countries never are, but that doesn't matter, is my point. UEFA seems to be trying too hard, I think, to make it too big at all. Yeah, so, every
1: country gets a vote, yeah. Andrew, right? So, you know... Right.
2: Can I play a little bit devil's advocate and uh, not defend OEFA, but uh, for me, like I heard those opinions that uh, what Andrew says, there's too many teams, too many. For me, as a football fan, I like this, because there's just more games. And uh, yeah, some games may be not the same quality, but still, uh, they're fighting for something, even if it's a a game between two, let's say, called uh, third, fourth tier uh, types of teams. They're still fighting for uh, going, it's a big tournament, big big occasion, usually will be the full stadium. Of course, like we get we will get some dull games but i think for me as a football fan i like this there's just more more football to watch in a big occasion uh for a a good period of time so yeah maybe you will lose out on quality but we will i think increase on just the you know the number of games and the football coverage so i usually prove it
1: my problem is with the 24 team format you have a country like portugal that didn't win a single game at a tournament and still can win the entire thing you know, uh, like they did at Euro 2016. They drew all three games at the, at the, at the group stage, right? And then sort of smuggled their way through the playoffs without winning a single game in regulation time, right? And you have to remember, if you don't win in regulation get time, officially that game is a draw, right? Um, that game doesn't count as a win in the record books. So they went. They managed to win the the Euro twenty sixteen without winning a single game, and that's
0: I don't know. That's I, not right. I think. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Actually, okay, Tim, you make a very good point, and actually, I do. I do agree. Actually, I do have split sympathies here. Um, I'm definitely not one of those who is saying that you know the the quality of games must all be. Champions League final yeah. standard. I definitely don't agree with that because I would be just as fascinated if, for example remember when Latvia qualified for it at Euro two thousand and eight. That was, was actually going to be my um, next exactly, point. That
1: was my example. But they qualified in the exactly. old format.
0: They- well no, but you see that this is this is this is this is kind of this is kind of my point. When Latvia qualified for the finals, they weren't playing the best football, but it was fascinating to watch a lower ranked side not yeah. just actually compete, but they had earned it. And I think if I mean it basically means you're gonna get if you went by my way of not expanding to twenty four teams and teams having to earn their place more, then you'd see fewer underdog stories in the finals. But when they do come along they would be worth yeah. so much more. I get it both options are not bad. But personally I would still stick to a smaller tournament. But now that it's here we can't complain. We can't change it. So why cry about it? Let's embrace it to, for what it is. Um, and who knows? We may see another fairy tale story.
1: I think, I mean, lots of people are pointing to Wales and Northern Ireland for the last tournament and Iceland, right? All those countries qualify, would have qualified for, for a 16 team tournament because they all finished. I think they all finished first, right? So I don't know. I, I think 16 teams is enough. I think. I mean, we, we have the format now. So if you have 24 teams, okay, fine. We have 24 teams. Then you have to come up with a different tournament format. It can't be that third place teams with three draws make it into the next round. And, you know, it, that just makes for poor football. Um, Portugal is probably the, one of the worst European champions I've ever seen play football, especially considering the amount of talent that they had. Um, so I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. I'm always on the fence. At the same time, I'm also with you, Tim. I, I agree. I, I I'm an avid football watcher. Um, I love covering lots of games. So I I like seeing, I like seeing covering those teams. And for the football ground network, of course, the expanded tournament means that we have more teams to cover because we cover the, all the the post Soviet space, and it means that you know countries like Armenia or Georgia. Um, Azerbaijan or Belarus, um, the Baltic states, um, they just have a much bigger chance of getting in. Of course, Ukraine and Russia have a much bigger chance of getting in too. So it's almost like, you know, I'm a little bit back and forward, but I've just seen that the quality wise, the, the last tournament was one of the worst to watch that I've ever seen. Uh, and I'm, I'm worried a little bit that that theme will continue and it will actually continue into the World Cup as well because they, they're now going with 48 teams at the World Cup, right? So, ah, uh, yeah, super on the fence, but uh, boys, let's talk about the results. And, um, the, the, the results in the Russia group are really interesting because we got Russia and Kazakhstan in that group. And so two football grad nations. And let's talk about that Kazakhstan result first. Andrew, they beat the Scottish 3-0 in Astana. I mean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's perks me up. I enjoyed that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I knew.
1: Yeah, but, I, I knew. I would. So that's why I went with you. But yeah, I mean, Astana is a tricky place to go. Remember when FC Astana were basically the, the state funded Kazakhstan football
0: club. Manny, 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 No, i Nurulstan, Nurulstan, please. Yeah, sure. Uh, he's stepping down, by the way. Well, yes, but the the city is no longer Astana. We okay. must, must, must be accurate now. <laughs> Yeah. When did they change this? Uh 3 days ago, I believe it was officially is now nur stan I go to holiday for 4 days and they
1: changed <laughs> names of cities. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. No it's, it's it was amusing because um all of the official media outlets are still saying Astana, but um uh, lot all, all the websites oh, are still saying. You guys are
1: not but, joking. This is actually true.
0: No, 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 it's Nur-al-stan. Nur yeah, yeah. the, the city has is now named Nur-al-stan officially. Yes. Um, so uh, Scotland travelled out to Athens and came back from Northern <laughs> What that's what football does to you? Ah, uh, yes, the power of power of football. Hey? I um, am... yeah. Wait, what <laughs> this, is, this is not fake news? Dave, Dave, come on, you are you are the the managing editor of the the post-Soviet space website. You know the madness of our region. You should. Yeah, should I not do,
1: so- but this <laughs> is like next level stuff. I mean, honestly, I haven't seen anything like that since Stalin.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, either way, whichever, whichever name city we're, we're going to use, um, I am so pleased that we get to talk about how utterly abysmal and terrible Scotland were. Um, now, I mean, okay, as an Englishman, of course, I'm going to enjoy it, but um, we have to give Kazakhstan credit. They were extremely well organized. They were man marking Scotland out of the game. Scotland have some very good players in that side. Um, You know, Callum McGregor was was given the captain's armband. He's a really exciting dribbler with the ball for Celtic. Um, And Ollie McBurney is playing in the second tier in the Championship in England, but he's scored about 16, 17 goals and he's a very good target man. Um, They they were missing some of their better players, like um, Andrew Robertson, the Liverpool left back, uh, main captain. But Kazakhstan were just so, so well organized. Almost every time Scotland had the ball in defense, they had no options in midfield to pass to because Kazakhstan were like limpets to the midfield. Um, and there was, there was just no quality. Um, and, and you know, you're going 2-0 up after 10 minutes. Kazakhstan were, were basically fairly comfortable for most of the game. Um, but I think the most interesting thing is that that, result before the qualification started and you've got to remember that Kazakhstan I think have only won something like four games at home in the last three years or something like that Um, that now makes the group on paper I suppose you could say that Russia are the main beneficiaries um, because you'd expect them to be able to beat Kazakhstan Um, Scotland I thought be the next main challenges. Uh, and I'm talk, I'm not, I'm disregarding Belgium at this point. I, they're far ahead of everything else. So for second place, I'm talking here. Yeah. Um, so it makes, it makes group I extremely, extremely interesting. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, you know what? I
2: was surprised, really, because like when, since I was a kid uh, growing up, we always when we talk about English football, we talk that you know you can compete with them, but you can't really compete with any English team. before when you have when it comes to heading the ball and crosses, and I was surprised, but I believe two goals out of three were were headers and like pretty good crosses. That's what really surprised me. I thought Kazakhstan, you know, scored some wishy-washy goals or maybe I don't know beautiful long shots. But it was headers. That's what's really surprised me.
0: Yeah, no, it was um, the the. I think it was the second goal in particular. It was not a complicated routine, but it was a really well placed header. Um, I don't ask me to pronounce names because you know how awful I am at that. Um, but the Kazakhstani player, I'll say, um, <laughs> it, it was it was just a, it was quite an intelligent header. He headed it back across goal, curving inside the post. Um, just uh, Scotland just weren't. They weren't threatening at any stage of the game. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, they, I'd be honest, Russia should be more worried about Kazakhstan, if anything, now.
1: Yeah, um, traveling to Nur Sultan. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I yeah. can't believe this is actually real news. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't happen often that the chief editor of the football guard network is uh, taken aback by news coming out of. Uh, the post Soviet space. This one has blindsided me really bad. Um, sorry. So traveling to North Sultan, it is tough. But Andrea, I think that you're right, because for Russia, this will be different. Um, they don't have to go quite as long as away, right? That, I mean, Scotland is, it, it's several time zones. Uh, I have to change the time too, or is that staying the same? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I think, I think that has to, that has to be kept in mind that, you know, for a lot of teams from Western Europe to travel all the way to Kazakhstan to play there is, is a long way. So, um, and then we've seen it in the Champions League where big teams, I think, um, when they, when they were still called FC Astana, I guess they're now FC's No Sultan. Wow. This is, I have to change tags now and search engine results. Oh man.
0: What the, a pain. The hockey, team, the hockey team have been renamed. Um, was it Barris? I think it is Bars, Barris, No Sultan. They're yeah. Now. Oh my. Sultan. God. Yeah. God. Oh.
1: <laughs> I, wow. Uh, this is just, this is not even a joke. I mean, like people listening, they must be thinking we're all insane. Like if you don't believe us, it's actually on the BBC. So this is not fake news. Um, yeah. So yeah, and traveling to North Sultan can be hard. So well, I'm curious to see how the, the other teams in the group will do. Um, with the exception, of course, of Russia, because I think Russia doesn't have that handicap with travel. The, the handicap that Russia now have though, Tim, is they lost to Belgium 3-1. And that's, I mean, that result mm, kind of can be, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not a great result to lose, of course, but I mean, Belgium finished third in the World Cup. No, they were one of those, they came very close to making that final, um, in, in Russia and could have maybe even won the entire thing. They are a really good team.
2: Yeah, they are, and they were superior uh, yesterday over Russia. And I completely agree with you. You know, well, given that the uh, top two places go straight to Euros, uh, that result is, um, of course, you want to get as many points as as you could. But uh, I think on paper we all give the uh, Belgians uh, the the first place in the group, and um, the Russian. Nice to get a point. I'm not saying obviously three points because that's impossible in Belgium, but, uh, getting one point would have been nice. But to be quite honest, the Russia, in order to qualify, they need to win over Kazakhstan, Cyprus, Scotland, San Marino, and all, all those other teams. Um, uh, what we saw there, it was classic, um, classic setup. Russia played threats, three central defenders, uh, with, like, Five defenders, uh, four uh, midfielders, and only Artom Zuba is one striker when they put on formation. It looked very defensive and it played very defensive. And I think that's the only way that Russia could have approached this game. And, um, but obviously, you know, Belgium has players who play for Real Madrid and Chelsea, and Russia don't. They have Azar, and Russia don't have Azar. And that was the difference in, in quality. But at the same time, you know, I for me, it was the first time in in fairly long time when i was actually excited about the game and i watched it live and i was really passionate uh, watching it because that result in the world cup really you know put put uh, put the faith back in the team and really the the world cup really did a great job um for the national team i trust the coach and i trust the decision he makes and i trust uh, the team, um, even you know, obviously there are some uh, players from the clubs which I'm not a big fan of. But when they get all the national teams, and that's for me not always the case. Sometimes um, when I'm not happy with the team, I start separating Spartak players from other players. And I know that's not, not maybe not the right approach, but I do that not intentionally. That's just how I feel. But right now, I, I really be, I'm really behind the national team. I really wish them success, and i i I'll I think that World Cup result is really really did did a good job and left that uh, hopefully the good good vibe feeling but uh, yeah obviously you know Belgium was uh, over 90 minutes way better team and uh, Russia has just to get the focus and uh, the next game which will be against Kazakhstan just focus and get the result uh, I don't think you know going back to what we always need to understand and keep in mind what Russia is in European football. Russia is Amkar of, of European football. We have a coach who is from Amkar and we need to keep in mind that really we are Amkar of European football. We're not Real and Barcelona of European football. We are Amkar and we need to qualify, uh, to, uh, the, to, to do whatever it takes to qualify to Europe because with this uh, coaching staff, Uh, Their style is to get one month before the tournament, go in extremely crazy good physical condition, work crazy hard, really drill those defensive uh, moves. And you can't really do that uh, when you get the team for three, four days before um, a qualifying game. Russia needs to do anything they could to get to the tournament, get this month off before the tournament, work under Cherchesov and really get this physical condition and then try to do something at the Euro. We are Amkar of European football and uh, we need to remember that.
1: I I like the way you put this. Andrew, next game is in (laughs) 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 Nur-Sultan. I can't say that with a straight face. It's really difficult. (laughs)
0: Yeah. On on Um, Sunday. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, it's... Oh, it's quite hard to quite hard to call now because I, I didn't like I said didn't expect Kazakhstan to be so well organised against Scotland. But um, I'd say it's probably not a bad fixture to have um, after the Belgium game, like Tim suggested. If we're going to lose any game, then to Belgium is 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 one we wouldn't have expected anyway. And to be fair, for about twenty minutes of that game of of the Belgium game, I thought there were. F- Two or three counter-attacks where Russia started to look potentially threatening. But anyhow, that's done and dusted. Kazakhstan away, I think, will be a good a good yardstick for the mentality of this Russian team. Because when we saw the likes of Ilzat Akhmetov make his debut and Fyodor Chalov come on, these young, inexperienced players, how they will bounce back from a defeat like that away to Belgium against a team that will be... Quite confident and some of the a lot of these players play in Russia, um, or at least have some ties to Russia, so there'll be a fair bit of of needle there. Um, it actually will be a tough game, but it should be a manageable one. Now, I expect that uh Chichesov will go will be slightly more adventurous earlier on in the game. We saw him bring on Fyodor Smolov um against Belgium. I think he may go too up front fairly early in the second half if things aren't going Russia's way. Um and the quality's there. We've got the, the mid Antrook brothers. Akhmatov, if he can have a slightly more composed game, then he could be a really important player for Russia, I think. Um, so I, ex- I would expect Russia to win that. Um, and if they do, that's two away games out of the way already and are two of the three hardest fixtures done in the first two games of the qualifiers. Um, and don't forget, of course, Manu, it's our favourite, very, very simple um, UEFA Nations League backdoor, there is even a chance that Russia could, even if they didn't make the top two, make their way into the Nations League playoffs for the Euro 2020.
1: Yes, yeah, somehow. Uh, I'm still confused about this format, but uh, <laughs> it's I'm probably sure... Same,
0: man, it's, it's probably the same guy who changed Astana's name to something. Yes. League. It must <laughs> be. <laughs> I, I. It must
1: be. You know... This name change has even Wikipedia confused because I, I got my schedule from Wikipedia and it still says Astana Arena. <laughs> it even still says Astana Arena on UEFA.com.
3: Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time? Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D R I Z L Y.com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right?
1: So where we do the preview, Andrew, make sure to put on Nur
0: Sultan arena. Manu, just just to ask you, you are you are our managing editor here of the like I say, the the most respected uh, post Soviet space media outlet. What is our um, our standard? Are we going for Nur Sultan or are we going to follow you over and say Astana? Uh, it, it... <laughs> the game will take place in Nursultan at the Astana
1: Arena. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I need, I need a a good couple of hours after this podcast to collect myself (laughs) and then I'll send you a message and tell you what we're going to do. Um, yeah, I I think it's the No Sultan Arena now. I I mean, it it still says Astana Arena online. I mean, and the owner is still the city of Astana. So
0: (laughs) this is, this is genuinely the only time I've ever known, ever known. Uh, Dr. Manuel Veth flummoxed <laughs> by what to say about
1: a post-Soviet country. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, like, I went there on holiday. I think if I if I seen this development come at me and like followed it, but like coming out like coming from the Rockies where there's like very spotty internet, and then you come home. <sighs> yeah, now I know what people felt like that were like gone for forty-eight hours, and the Soviet Union was gone. You know, uh, <laughs> or Stalin died. Uh, you know, when Stalin died and they had to rename all those cities. Um, yeah, whoo. And um, this is, this is some, this is some next level stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, this is like the most post Soviet era thing that I've ever seen since the collapse of the Soviet Union. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
1: yeah. So, oh, okay. I have to collect myself here because we still have two things to talk about the Russian national team. Tim, um, quick one on this. Chechesov. There's some news that he, he's been accused of working with an agent. Um, it's rumors at most.
2: But what do you make of the story? And what exactly is going on? Exactly. We have to just a little bit outline that this is just various rumors and there's nothing is absolutely confirmed and there's no absolute any fact. So this is something that some journalists uh trying to put a few different rumors together in a story. But uh, we have to mention, because that was a fairly big story in Russia, so we have to mention it for um football guard listeners. So pretty much Stanislav Chercheson has been accused of working with uh, certain players and then kind of trying to... Um, work kind of this um uh, in, in in both ways at the same time offering some um young younger national team players the help of this agent meaning that you know when you work with the right agent maybe you will get um way into the national team um you know like I don't want to really go too deep into details because all this is really speculation and there's no absolutely facts and to be quite honest I don't think really that there is an a, a only bad side to it because there's also I think a good side if you see the young and coming the up and coming uh, good players uh, you know working and you know this certain group of agents and you know that they will do uh, good for them and for the development of a young player yeah then maybe uh, put try to use your power of a national team coach to connect them to the right agents just to make sure that the career of young an up-and-coming player is going in the right way um that maybe you know they don't get overwhelmed with money how often that happens uh, with young Russian players so we just need to i just i just want to make make a quick note because really it was a big story there's a few article came out from um different journalist sources uh, telling different, again, I would like to call those speculations and some rumors because there's absolutely not, no no facts. But th- there's like that uh, Stanislav Chytsom helped some players to work with certain agent, and after that they started working there, getting a little bit more call ups to the national team. So again, this is just facts, but um, I think that. Ha- and, um, you know, coaches, especially when you're a coach of a national team, you want to make sure that the players you work with are taken care and they don't have any, you know, financial or like any management issues. So, that was a big story, but we will see how that story develops and if there's anything in it. But like I said, I don't see that only as a negative side. I think there's actually might be a positive side if, if Stanislav Cechesov as a coach of a national team uh, makes sure that uh, the development of the young players uh, goes well. So we'll keep an eye on this story, uh, but we just want to mention that this story happened. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And um, the other story is, of course, Andrew, and I'm going to go to you. Paul Gepniak said some not-so-nice things about Ari. Um, the, the Brazilian striker who plays, um, for Russia, yeah, faces possibly a live ban from football. If, if, if these, if the accusations stand, uh, what exactly happened here? Um, and what's, what, what's going on? I mean, Pokrepniak. Mm,
0: yeah. uh, well, yeah, I mean, there was, there was basically a, a comment he threw away saying, I don't understand why Ari was given a Russian passport. It's strange to see. Um, I'm just going to quote the words that were translated. Um, it's strange to see dark-skinned players playing for Russia. And I think there's the, the the key thing here is there's been a huge debate, as we've had on this podcast before, about the naturalisation of foreign-born players for Russia. Yeah. Um, uh, and a lot of people are against it. They want to support Russian-born. Russian nationals playing for Russia. And no
1: matter their skin colour though. The skin well, colour doesn't matter, this, right?
0: This and this is the this is the key key thing. This is where yeah. Grebniak is potentially in a lot of trouble because he specifically said the, the Russian word yeah. that translates yeah. nucleus, as dark skin. Um Mary Fernandez, for example, is Brazilian born. Um, I don't think his Russian language is actually very good, despite having he lived here for a fair few years. Um and very few uh, arguments are made about him. Um, Guillermo and in goal, uh, he has faced racist abuse yeah. when playing for Russia too, and it's that that's the main problem here. Um, a lot of there is going to be a meeting on Tuesday where the Russian Football Union are going to their ethics committee will meet and decide a punishment. Um, I believe a ten-game suspension is the most likely at this point. I have seen the life ban threatened. Which is a bit of a nominal thing really because this is likely to be the next last season anyway, it's thirty five years old. But the other the other thing as well is the reaction. And the oral had on Instagram statements in English saying uh all Brazilian fans, we're sorry um if you were insulted by Pablo's comments. He was only saying it's a little strange. That's all. Um so it's not racist. Um, if you would like free tickets to any games at Oral in April, then just let us know, which I thought was a very ill-advised response. Um, it's trying to sweep what, there is no two ways about it. It's a racist comment. Um, there's yeah. a big difference and I'm not defending the other Anglers either, but there's a big difference between saying, I don't want foreign born people playing for Russia and I don't want people with dark skin playing for Russia and, um, and, uh, either way, Petrus Brumal is the only black player thought about. He replied on this Instagram, uh, post saying, if it was just a misunderstanding, then he should have commented. And this is a teammate of Pogrebniak. So how that dynamic will play out, um, I don't know. But either way, it's an unsavory thing. And on Tuesday, we'll have more definitive answers about what the outcome will be.
1: Yeah, I think if you're eligible to, I mean, I've made this statement many times. If you're eligible to play for your country, then you can play for it. I think Mario Fernandez and Gulliam are two players and Ari as well that have spent a long time in Russia. Oh, they jumped through all, a very long time. They jump through all the hoops. It wasn't like they were handed a passport after playing there for a few, you know, like what Qatar is doing where they just hand out passports and it's like, Hey, welcome. You're a Qatari citizen. Now you can play for us. They don't do that. Um it's it's a long process. These these players have spent a long time playing in Russia and they continue to play in Russia. Gulliam and Mario Fernandes and Ari um didn't leave the country. They made Russia their home. Um I don't know. Made in it's, Russia womans, like in either yeah, case. Yeah, it's it's their home country now. So I, I think there's a difference between handing out passports and making people, you know, switch nationality and and this, you know, if you, if you become a naturalized citizen, if you immigrate into a country and then you take on the citizenship, then you have all the rights of a normal citizen, including if you have not played for another national team playing for the national team.
3: Exactly.
1: So I'm okay with that sort of naturalization. Um, I'm not okay with here's your passport. <laughs> welcome, welcome to playing for the national team overnight. Um I'm not I'm not uh, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. And if you make a comment and you exclude citizens of your own country based on the colour of your skin, that's racism, Mr. Yeah. Pavel Prokapniak. No two ways about it. And um yeah, too bad Ural didn't take a, a strong stand and say like yes this is race the racism, we condone it. Goodbye. You're no longer going to play for us. Um I don't know. That's that's my opinion on this lads. That's the the final opinion on this podcast because we are out of time. Um Andrew, yeah, the the Russia Kazakhstan game, that's basically the the next center of uh, focus for us, isn't it? Um on the, on this network and then of course, um bunch of other yeah. games that we're going to cover, but that's basically the next one for for this one. What else do you have going on? Uh tell the listeners where can people find you, et cetera?
0: Well, yeah, I'll uh, I'll be I'll be writing that that preview uh later today so you can see that on footballgrad.com and um I'm on Twitter at Andrew M I J Flint. So, in any time there's a Tumen or Ural home game, have a look on there, and you might see some very informative uh, video reports of some Russian football. Yeah,
1: then please do that. They're always good fun, uh, and make sure to write Nur Sultan. Uh, I, I have now come to terms with that. It's the <laughs> Nur Sultan Arena, Nur Sultan. is taking place in Nur Sultan. Um, Tim, how about you? Where can people find you? What's going on in your life? <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm still still laughing about that <laughs> name change. Uh, people can find me at the uh, on Instagram Rocket from Russia and on um, uh, Twitter Russian Tim sixty one. My I'm just focused on my band finishing an uh, and new release which will be out in April and we have an album release big show on April 20th. So if you would like to stop by, it's gonna be there. It's gonna be fun.
3: Yeah,
1: good times. Yeah, basically make sure to check out Tim's account. Um good stuff to follow, lots of Sparta music, etc. yeah, give it a follow. Um you can find me at Manuel Um I'm a slightly baffled editor of the Football Grad Network, trying to come to (laughs) terms with the post Soviet space once again. Um I'm going to spend the rest of the day figuring this one out and um I'm going to write the the Germany preview. Um they're playing the Netherlands on Sunday, so I'm I'm going to cover that. And yeah, Basically, once this international break is over, we're going to be back on our normal schedule um, for podcasts, etc. So a little bit of a slow time, but we'll definitely pick it up again next week. Well, until then, vidani.